San Diego County Supervisor Greg Cox gave his State of the County speech last night, in which he outlined the county's plan to improve the social safety net for foster youth, homeless people, and the mentally ill. From expanding mental health services and renewable energy projects to launching new education programs and initiatives to assist foster youth, Cox said the supervisors will continue to take a more forceful approach in the year ahead. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Charles Clark, you're the politics reporter for the Union-Tribune, and recently we had the State of the County and we got a preview of what's going on. So what is the state of the county besides obviously strong? <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, oddly enough, you used that word, and that was actually the very first thing that uh, Supervisor Greg Cox said. He's like, want to let you all know the county is strong. I think you're required to say that, otherwise like, you die or something. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, he, he started with kind of reflecting on kind of their past and kind of the strong financial footing of the county, which is something that, uh, has been talked about a lot, uh, not always in a positive light because there's been criticism that they haven't spent enough on services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than that, he kind of looked ahead at a bunch of different things that he's hoping to kind of address in the next year to come. Um, you know, obviously we're in kind of this period of transition for the County Board of Supervisors. And even beginning, you know, last year with Supervisor Diane Jacob, people who even criticize the county a lot, they've all admitted that we saw a very aggressive county over the past year that is demonstrably different than they have been. And there was a lot of questions about whether they can keep up that momentum. Uh, in his speech, Greg Cox really tried to convey to residents that his intent is to continue that momentum, uh, specifically around a few key areas. Uh, one, and kind of the big thing, was catering to foster youth. But he also talked about renewable energy, uh, some housing uh, and homelessness and mental health services things as well. So in stepping back, when it comes to governments, I feel people may have uh, less of an understanding of what exactly a county can do. What are some of the key things that in recent years the county has really kind of taken on as a focus for improving the lives of San Diegans? Right, right. So, you know, then that's kind of one of those funny things is now some people know who their county supervisor are. Mm-hmm. Supervisors are. Uh, very few know what the county actually does. Uh, the big things that I point to are there's a public safety aspect of the county, especially if you're in an unincorporated area, which means you don't have your own city council. The county government, they're the ones making decisions for you. They provide law enforcement. They provide, they oversee the sheriff, uh, you know, the deputy sheriffs, all that. Uh, aside from public sa- safety, their other primary function uh, is public health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they do a lot of mental health services that we see in our region. The county is responsible for a lot of that. Um, you know, there's some debate about how effective and successful they've been in delivering those services, but that is the primary function of county government. They also can, you know, kind of set the tone for a few different things when it comes to the environment and things like that, development, especially in the unincorporated areas. Uh, but they also can find some innovative ways to help with, uh, you know, development and building housing as well. Mm-hmm. And last year was also quite a big change for the county about us. For the county board of supervisors because things shifted a little bit more to the left. Want to explain that? Yeah. So, you know, for a long time, the county, San Diego County Board of Supervisors were really characterized by their sameness. You know, you more or less had the same five supervisors in place for more than two decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one seat that changed a couple of times in the past five years, but for the most part, there was a certain continuity to it um, until last year. 
there had only been one Democrat on the board in like two or three decades. Otherwise, it was all Republicans, uh, even though technically it's a nonpartisan seat. You do see party politics come into play a bit. Mm-hmm. The big shift uh, obviously started with the election of 2018 when we saw a Democrat, Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, elected to office. Um, he became the first Democrat on the board and the lone one for the time, but he was very effective uh, and very good about building a coalition and really hit it off with some of the longtime supervisors like Cox and Jacob. Uh, and that really helped move the county, I think, in a more aggressive direction. Even Naval, uh, in his State of the County address, Supervisor Cox explicitly mentioned, you know, the vision of Nathan Fletcher. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that that's bought into it. And what we've kind of seen that play out and what residents have seen that play out as is you saw a lot more um, jobs and career opportunities for mental health service workers. You've seen the biggest thing that I think a lot of people are kind of watching is they're moving forward with creating a behavioral health hub, a $127 million project really focused on providing mental health services uh, in Hillcrest, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see some big things like that. And then obviously there were some more uh, kind of left of center votes on certain policy things that a lot of people took note of as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes like a new voice or a new individual to kind of shift something that's kind of been in a status quo for so long, which, as you described, seemed to be the case. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of funny because when Fletcher ran, I mean, the core of his platform was talking about kind of upending the status quo. Uh, which I think a lot of people were like, yeah, don't you think the longtime supervisors, they're not going to play ball with this guy? Uh, and uh, I think a lot of people surprised, including Fletcher himself, they were very receptive. I think you were fortunate that the two longtime supervisors who were there, they were really eager to try some new things and for the new blood. Um, you look at things like community choice energy, which the county is kind of moving towards incrementally. Diane Jacob has been pushing that for years and years, she could never even get a second to even bring it up for a vote. Mm-hmm. Fletcher comes on board. He's like, hey, I'm game to back this. I think it's a great idea. So you see there's kind of benefits for the longtime supervisor as well. And Fletcher also wasn't the only new blood. You know, there was another supervisor who came in, Jim Desmond, who, although he's similar to his uh, predecessor, Bill Horn, he also brought fresh perspective to things and showed a greater willingness to dip into the county's reserves and general fund to spend. Mm-hmm. And now that we're looking forward to 2020 and beyond, what are some of the biggest challenges that the county hopes to tackle? Right. Well, I think number one on everyone's radar is mental health uh, and homelessness. Obviously, that's the really just pervasive problem in San Diego County. And, you know, I think many would argue across California as a whole. There's also obviously the housing issue, although that's a bit more complicated, right? And then mm-hmm. you need developers. So there's a bit more collaboration there. I think what you'll see is mental health services is the thing a lot of these guys, they see as kind of the demand of today. Um, That's a phrase you'll hear a lot from some of the longtime supervisors who didn't necessarily focus on it early on in their careers is, well, the demands of today have changed, and they often point to, we need to get more mental health services. We need to provide wraparound services. We need to find a way to get people off the streets. Um, So, you know, we talked about the behavioral health hub earlier. I think you're going to see a move toward trying to create more things like that. Returning to behavioral health, you know, we we talk about the behavioral health hubs, but also, you know, one thing that was outlined at the state of the county is that Cox and Fletcher are going to be bringing forward a proposal to create a behavioral health impact fund, Mm -hmm. uh, which is partnering with the city to create kind of a $25 million fund. 
that ex- goes exclusively to helping those community-based organizations that actually deliver services um, expand their capacity, uh, which could mean you know more beds, things like that. We'll see how that shakes out, but that'll be a big thing to watch going forward. Uh, and I would anticipate that most of the supervisors probably have a mental health or homelessness initiative that they're going to be wanting to bring up here in the next few months. Because mm-hmm. the county has certainly struggled with the closure of Palomar Health. All those beds suddenly disappeared. And with homelessness often having a link to mental illness, there's just simply not enough resources to deal with people who don't have means to get the mental health services that they need. Precisely, precisely. I mean, you know, one thing that I think... Yeah, you're you're. They're trying to make up ground here, right? They're playing mm-hmm. catch up on a problem that's already been there, and then it's gotten worse with some of those closures. Obviously, the Tri City closure was a big one. You saw last year that they actually came to an agreement, so we should be seeing those beds, or at least some of those beds, coming back up online. Um, but to be frank, you know, and I think this is one thing a lot of the supervisors will actually acknowledge is just the fact that they can do all these things, but to the actual average San Diegan on the street you're not going to really visibly notice it probably for a while here, right? These things take time. It's a long-term problem that's going to require require a longer-term solution. So I think when we look over this next year, what you're really going to see is them trying to lay the groundwork for it. And the other thing you mentioned is that uh, changes in investment in the foster care system. There's been some controversy with that that the UT Watchdog has written about uh, in the past. Why don't you recap some of the problems? Right. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing uh, that certainly, you know, our colleague Morgan Cook outlined in really uh, disturbing detail was just the fact that you'd often have times where there's kids being returned to their abusers. Uh, and, you know, it was interesting to see, and I think this is one of the things with journalism, right, we don't necessarily notice it at the time. Obviously, it got flagged by a lot of people. Um but I think you can pretty comfortably say that one of the supervisors who it did genuinely seem to resonate with was Supervisor Greg Cox. Uh, you know, he's part of the Child and Family Strengthening Advisory Board, along with Nathan Fletcher, which was created in the wake of Morgan's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cox, you know, as chair, if you actually look at his speech, the bulk of it is talking about foster youth and how we can go about helping them. And he outlined a bunch of different ideas that he's bringing up here over the next couple of months. You know, between so a, a couple of these, you know, foster youth initiatives that we're going to see coming forward. One, there's going to be a push to adopt a plan that creates a youth-led trauma-informed code of conduct, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a really fancy way of saying, you know, stricter guidelines on how social workers and things are handling how they're interacting with these kids. Uh, you'll also see the creation of a mentorship program, as well as the launch of the Housing Our Youth initiative. Which the big thing with that is it's going to provide housing vouchers to former foster youth, uh, which will be really interesting because that's a population that is at higher risk of being homeless. Along with that, there will also be a proposal being brought forward to actually get rid of the debts for the families of former foster youth who were on probation, uh, which I'm not exactly sure how that would work, but that's definitely one that I know a lot of uh, advocates certainly flagged because that could be really interesting to see going forward. Mm -hmm. It seems like kind of from the highest view, the county's really trying to fix kind of the last rung of the social safety net so people who are on the edge don't don't completely fall to the bottom, which given the price of living in San Diego County, it's possible that many people do fall to the bottom. Yeah, no, that's that's a very, you know, 
well put way to uh, you know state it. I mean, I, you know, I, I think there will be a lot of discussion about whether these are dramatic enough steps, right? And we'll have to wait and see. But I, I don't think anyone can dispute that at least they're making an effort. Uh, so one of the things that I found really interesting, you know, aside from just the focus on foster youth, was a focus on youth more broadly in San Diego County, you know. Behind the scenes, we've kind of seen this push to develop a county youth plan, uh, which is really, you know, catering to all the people under the age of 18 in San Diego County. What was fascinating is clearly that's resonated with Supervisor Greg Cox, who in his state of the county actually outlined his goal to get young people more involved directly with county government. He even seemed to float the idea of getting uh, youth voices placed on all of the boards and commissions at the county, which, I mean, that would be just a dramatic change that I don't know if it's precedented to see that kind of shift, but it would be great to just see what that perspective was. Yeah, I mean, you are seeing more political action from younger people in this day and age. I think Greta Thunberg is perhaps the most apt example, but it seems like now young people are having political voices and opinions sooner than perhaps, you know, other people in the past have had. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, you know, they're the ones who are ultimately going to be living in San Diego County in, you know, two decades anyway. So Mm -hmm. it should make sense that they have a bit... uh, greater hand in shaping what it's going to look like. Mm, Certainly. And hearing more voices, as Nathan Fletcher has done in the past, is, you know, a means to get things moving in a different direction rather than keeping things in the status quo. Precisely. All right. Charles Clark, thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. In other news, an Idaho man who punched a cop on Halloween night while dressed as Jesus Christ has been sentenced to 35 weekends in jail. Eric Van Vliet apologized to Officer Ben Hall, who was hospitalized because of the blow, and to his partner and supervisors who attended the hearing. The officers spoke of how the assault, which they styled as an ambush, traumatized Hall and his team. Van Vliet was arrested on November 5th at a friend's home in Idaho. He spent a total of 30 days in jail there and in San Diego before being released on bail. He pleaded guilty on December 4th to felony battery on a police officer, resulting in injury. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.